I'm faulty. <laughs> like I have made the mistake of just like not doing anything to my, to my own code for accessibility. Welcome to Suitcase Coder the Podcast. I'm Laura and I host this podcast where I track my journey from joining a coding bootcamp to becoming a remote developer. My ultimate goal in life is to travel the world and see as many countries as I can. But for now, I'm sharing what I've learned so far to hopefully help and inspire future techies, freelancers, and digital nomads. Thanks for tuning in and let's get started. Thanks so much for being on this podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, Web accessibility is something that I've been wanting to talk about and have an episode dedicated to this on my podcast. And I was so excited to find you because you've worked uh, hand in hand with web accessibility and making sure that people know and developers especially know about the importance of web accessibility. So without further ado, if you don't mind introducing yourself, um, Eric, and telling everybody who you are and what you're up to these days. Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm really excited to be here and talk with you today. Um, my name's Eric. I'm a uh, designer that pretends to be a developer sometimes uh, who um, lives in Boston, just north of the city, Somerville, if you've ever been. Um, north of Harvard, if you haven't. Um, haven't been, but so, one day I will be. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Um, yeah, and uh, I work for a company called ThoughtBot. It's a uh, digital design and development consultancy. And then um, in my free time, I like to write about uh, accessibility and inclusive design. And I am also a active maintainer on the Accessibility Project, which is a open source uh, website dedicated to kind of educating people about uh, accessibility and inclusive design practices. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's definitely like a, a broad range of things that you cover, and I'm excited to kind of di dive deep into that. Starting with a little bit more about yourself and just like your journey. So how long do, would you say, so you're primarily a designer, how long would you say you've been developing or playing with code alongside the design aspect of it? Oh, geez. Oh, no. <laughs> um, Got to show my age here. Uh, <laughs> probably the better part of a decade. Um, okay. I had if I had a job where I uh, was basically the only designer for an organization, and part of that was generating reports. And um, those reports had to be HTML. And so that kind of dovetailed into like, well, this looks ugly, so I should probably do something about that. Um, and interestingly, it's also where I learned about the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, or WCAG, um, in that we subcontracted to the government, which requires all of its material to be accessible um, as per Section 508, which is a basically legally compulsory kind of thing that if you ever hear it, it might be a very scary time for you. So I was reading up a little bit on it, and I really like... I'm really no expert on web accessibility at all. I know it's important. I know that uh, we covered it in the bootcamp that I went through, but it's something that's easily overlooked, um, especially when you're kind of beginning off with development and you just kind of want to get through the course and it's easy to kind of leave behind and get to later and then that later never happens. <laughs> um, so how, do you, how did you get into, I mean, so like, sorry. So that brought you into kind of that world. What led you to pursue that a bit more and dive deeper into that? Um, yeah, so kind of before I answer that question, I do want to say like one of the best things about um, doing accessibility work is 
it doesn't have to be all in one go. Um, it doesn't, there's, there's no such thing as perfect accessibility or 100% complete. Just leave it a little bit better than you found it. Um, and just kind of keep working incrementally. Um, it's one of those things that like you can just keep on doing as you're working normally and you don't have to like save it all towards the end and have this frantic, oh my gosh, what's going on? What do I do? Um, and like that was actually an initial hurt, hurdle to overcome when I was first starting in that you do kind of want to like do it right and knock it out the park, but there's just so many moving pieces and parts to consider. It's just if you can pick one little thing and integrate it into the work that you're doing, it just, it helps and you just keep doing that over and over. I like, I like that a lot because it's um, less kind of uh, this giant responsibility that you hold. It's just like kind of doing what you can in the moment. And then if you can add on to it, or like you said, find it, leave it better than you found it. Um, so I like that idea it's less daunting that way. Cause I can imagine you can get caught up trying to make sure it's like you said, a hundred percent perfect for and accessible to everyone. Um, and you're hitting all of those marks, but I can see just doing what you can and making sure you integrate it into your everyday coding or designing. It makes it a little bit smoother of a process. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's fun when it becomes a habit. So you don't even think about it, um, you know, and then, for projects I have for like continuous integration, continuous deployment, like mm -hmm. getting that pull request up for and then just watching all the checks pass for, you know, accessibility the first time. And you're just like, yeah, like nailed it. <laughs> right. Um, it's a nice feeling. <laughs> um, so going back to what you said about the government, the laws and the rules, and you said it'd be, so I was doing a little bit of reading and it seems like they have audits uh, to see whether your website is accessible or not. Is that true? Or did I just read some random fact online? <laughs> yeah. So um, it's interesting you mentioned that because as of last year, there was actually a hallmark uh, Supreme Court case where basically in, in disability rights, um, the concept of reasonable accommodation exists. And uh, historically, it's only applied to physical locations. So a good example of this is if a storefront has a set of stairs um, and it only and not a ramp to provide access for wheelchair users, that's considered discrimination uh, the same way if that business didn't hire somebody because they were of a certain religion or gender. Um, and then Domino's Pizza, of all companies, tried to fight uh, a accessibility lawsuit that was put against them in that a blind user could not order pizza. And the ruling from the Supreme Court, and I completely agree with this, is that these services are so blended now that um, basically the virtual is considered the physical in terms of how services are procured, um, which is great because you know the core of accessibility i'd say is m ensuring that these accommodations for disability exist um, you know people say that like accessibility helps everybody and that's true but it is specifically done for people who are disabled to address you know their access needs right and you're so right that now i mean especially now this year when everything's been all of a sudden uh 100% remotely almost then it's you're so right that this accessibility has to go from from physical to online presence and have that same kind of guideline. So you're saying that this Supreme Court ruling basically uh, 
now requires that same kind of accessibility features for physical that it does for physical stores into the online world. Yeah, and for yeah. private, which is interesting because it used to only be for government, um, mm -hmm. which is Section 508. But now it's basically, um, you know, I, I personally think it's a code quality issue in that, you know, as a developer, you don't want to write bad code. Part of that is accessible code is good code, it's quality code, it's consistent, it's reproducible. Right. Um, so like I like to try and make it more aspirational than like fear of a lawsuit, but lawsuits do happen and they should because you're separating people from their constitutional rights, which is not good. Right. That's so good that, though that there's like, like such, like you said, a hallmark push towards making this happen. So that was kind of like your first view of, of getting into this, right? How have you since then, I don't know if you're still working the same place or uh, how long it's been since that moment, but since then, how have you implemented or driven towards this like push for education basically on web, web accessibility? Because that's what it is, right? It's mainly a way of educating and um, or at least that's what I think, like the first step in making changes is to educate people and telling them the importance of it. And that way, some of it will sink in. And um, if you don't know how to do it, you're not going to do it. Uh, so education and then implementation. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I'm I'm actually, I'm on a React Native project right now. And it's my first and a half project in React Native. And I don't have the grammar at all. So like, it's been, it's, you know, it's it's interesting because my Googling is terrible for the problems I run into where it's like import bad help. <laughs> and it's kind of the same thing for accessibility where it's any other kind of technical topic, um, digital accessibility, where the more you kind of get versed in it, the more um, of the key terms you learn and the more that unlocks more information. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like self-educating, I kind of, you know, I was like, oh, this feels right, this feels good. Um, this seems like a really good way to approach design where it is, if you wanna make something usable for everybody, here's the guidebook on how to do it. Um, so, you know, I went, I read a lot of blogs, followed some people on Twitter, read some newsletters. Um, I did kind of come across the accessibility project and then was intimidated because it was a open source project run by important Twitter people and then put off contributing to it for a few years. But um, yeah, you just, you start out and you just build off of that initial knowledge and you just kind of, if it's something you're interested in, you kind of just dovetail into all these other things. Yeah, um, and that kind of leads me to the main thing that I would like to talk about, if it's okay with you, is the Alley Project or the Accessibility Project, which you already mentioned is an open source project. And I'm, assume, I'm assuming you came across it on GitHub or some one of these blogs articles that you came across. And is that, when did that start? How much? Um, so I know you, you mentioned you're not like the founder of the Accessibility Project, but you have been working with them or contributed quite a bit um, for them. So I would say you, you have quite a good idea of what they've been up to, how they started, um, you know, what they're up to today to continue that and implement uh, their project. Do you want to tell us about about them? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so it's been around forever in internet years. Um, I think 2013, don't quote me. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was started by Dave Rupert, um, who 
had a really good mission, which was basically like, I'm a developer. I consider myself a good developer. I just learned about this. There's not a lot of information out there and it's scattered and sometimes contradictory. So I'm going to write about my journey and then it kind of snowballed from there. So there's, you know, if you look at the history of post chronologically, it starts out with him kind of writing some stuff and then other people chime in and it kind of has snowballed from there. And what I like about the project is in that it's open source, um, the knowledge is free and anyone is able to contribute to make it better if they so choose. Um, and as somebody who recently kicked off and then kind of architected the redesign, one of my goals is to just lower the, the approachability um, as much as possible to make it friendlier for newer developers as well as uh, developers who are not familiar with you know, GitHub, uh, maybe their first pull request or something like that. And then even expanding it to designers and um, I hate this term, but like non-technical people. So we actually have our first post coming in from somebody in Microsoft Word. And that's, that's amazing because that is awesome. the intent, yeah, like the intent's there. And then the barrier of getting it on GitHub is something that like will help you with, but it's more just if you want to contribute, please, please do contribute. I like that, that you've made it like, obviously the whole project is about accessibility, but the website itself and the project itself, you guys are, it, it's geared towards making it accessible to people. Like not only the things that you're working on, but like the project itself, you want, like you're saying, like including non-technical people, making it easy for new developers or people who, developers who have never really like, do, divin in, divin dove, I never know, <laughs> uh, gone into the, uh, all of this like web accessibility terms and terminology and like usage, um, because that's definitely like a thing that can be overwhelming for new developers. And like you said, like, that's one thing. Getting into GitHub is a whole nother thing to tackle. Um, so it's a lot of these like barriers that that are in place. So it's it's nice to hear that with this new redesign, it's being more accessible <laughs> to everyone. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Um, the other thing is, you know, for the record, if you are interested in uh, volunteering, um, we are also very open about feedback to our process. In that, the only way this works is if it it's easy for you to set up. So if it's not, you know, please, 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 please let us know as an issue or an email or what have you. And that's something we want to work towards. Are you guys seeing any direct feedback from the users or any like personal stories that you guys have seen that's like, oh my gosh, this has helped me tremendously either from developers or like users themselves? Yes and no. Uh, one of my favorite things is when we're tagged on Twitter um, and it's just in a random conversation and like either somebody's discovered it or they're citing it to like point towards somebody towards something. And like, to me, that's, that's a sign that it's working. Like if it's upfront enough in people's minds that they kind of reflexively tag us. That's great. Oh, absolutely. That's definitely, I mean, that's how I came across uh having you on here because I was, you know, thinking about this topic and I was like, how, like, I have to be able to find some community or people that, you know, have direct correlation with accessibility and who have a little bit more firsthand experience with the difficulties and um, successes of, of this, you know, like topic. 
Um, and of course, one of the first things that popped up was the Alley Project. And so I went straight to Twitter and I was like, hey, Alley Project, is there someone who'd be willing to kind of talk about this and the effects of it on my podcast? Because I think it's it's important. Like, I agree. I think Twitter is a great place, especially for developers. It's a nice place that uh, developers love to hang out. Hang out yeah, it's, it, it's a terrible place, but I can't quit it. <laughs> okay, that's true. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I got complicated feelings. Like, I follow, there's a lot of accessibility on people, uh, mm -hmm. people on Twitter. I follow them. It's a very nice little community. Unfortunately, it's where a lot of the news about the industry is. Um, FOMO is real. Oh, yeah. You don't have uh, to tell me twice about that. <laughs> yeah. But um, the other thing that the site has going for it is um, due to its technology choices, which is, uh, we now call it Jamstack, but static site, and the fact that it is well-crafted markup-wise, and the fact that it's been around forever, it has a really good SEO presence. So um, we kind of enjoy that long tail of having the right keywords if you know how to search for them, um, and then kind of ideally either answering your question with our content or pointing you towards a resource that can help you out. Um, and I think that's the real success of the site, which is just, it's, it's a hub to connect you to what you need. Absolutely. And I think what I'm noticing um, from what you're telling me is that it's a lot, like obviously the end goal is to offer these resources so that developers and people building, creating these websites or platforms can make it accessible to everybody. And so it's kind of like, those are your end users, right? Those, that's the end goal is to help all users around the world. But the direct, I guess, customers of it, I don't want to call them customers, the direct, what is it, audience for the Alley Project is is targeted more for developers and people who can actually make those changes to eventually help everybody, all the other users. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting you say that too, because one of the goals that we are trying to do is mm -hmm. um, shift it to more of an inclusive design approach where basically the more of this you can fix ahead of time in, in the accessibility world, it's called shifting left mm -hmm. where it's the more you can kind of front load these concerns, uh, the more compounding effects there are. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that is, you know, a lot of kind of growth for representation uh, for the site. You know, one thing we are doing is, um, we're hoping to diversify our, our active maintainers. Um, and part of that is also the part that I'm really proud of is um, putting a spotlight on uh, practitioners, accessibility practitioners in the industry, as well as um, the people behind the resources that we showcase in that, like, we do want to champion them because they're doing really cool stuff and they normally don't get this attention. So I want to kind of help elevate them. Right. That's really cool. So you're saying like the people who are making these changes kind of elevate them and uh, put them in the spotlight for a minute or two. <laughs> yeah. Um, reward their, you know, their good doings because not a lot of people get that chance. Yeah. And that, and I'm, I'm realizing now that we're a couple of minutes into this conversation and we haven't actually discussed or I haven't even brought up uh, what accessibility actually looks like in a web developer sense of the term. So like what, what are the changes? What do you mean when you say accessible? Much like many things in software, it depends. <laughs> um, but what are, I guess what my question yeah, is like, uh, what are some key, yeah, yeah. What are yeah, some yeah. key things that people 
from the beginning can start with? So um, WebAIM, which is a consultancy in the accessibility space, the digital accessibility space, put out a report uh, last year called The Millions. And they scraped the top 1 million websites um, and then basically did a lot of data analysis and figured out the top uh, programmatically detectable accessibility issues on these sites. So just to name a couple of them and then kind of reverse engineer like what you do, do code-wise to why it's important. Right. Um, a good example of this is um, providing an alternate description for an image. Um, so the image element has an attribute called alt and um, it accepts a string. And what that string does is, uh, is a space you can provide a description for the content of the image. So, you know, if you have a photo of a really cute Labrador puppy, um, you can say a photo of a really cute Labrador puppy. And then the cool thing about this is if you cannot see the screen or you have low vision and you're using a, a screen narrator to help you understand the contents of the screen, provided you use an image element, um, which signals to the browser and to the assistive technology, hey, this is an image. Uh, it'll actually go image and then it'll go image, you know, photo of a really cute Labrador puppy. And that lets the person experience that the same way a sighted user would, which is super cool. Yeah. See, I like that explanation a lot because it's the big picture of like what it, web accessibility is, what it means, and then how it's being used by somebody who requires that. So that's, that's a great example because you, you know, you and I can see a picture of a really cute Labrador puppy, which I would love, but but for somebody who's just listening basically to the website being read out to them and your whole website is about dog grooming, you may miss out on a lot of important topics if it's, if it's not included. There's also a lot of really cool ripple effects for this mm -hmm. kind of thing where um, I think one of my favorite examples is um, a friend was traveling to Japan and he had a really limited data plan back when you could travel. <laughs> um, back when you can travel. And um, so part of it is a lot of the times when he was using his smartphone to load a website, um, it would crap out and commonly it wouldn't load images. But if an image fails to load and it has an alternate description, a lot of browsers will actually show you the text of what it's supposed to be. And it's one of those things like you don't really think about it, but because of that, he was able to like get the info he needed despite the fact that he was like in a foreign country on a limited data plan not knowing what the heck he was doing. I was about to say that's something that's definitely happened to me but like it happened to me way before I got into web development and you look at your screen like what the heck is this and it looks like but then you kind of start digging in just like you're saying like you're in a foreign country and you don't know what's going on but you can read and you're like oh okay okay I'm getting some information out of this <laughs> website but yeah that's such a good good example. Another really important one is uh, heading levels. So the H1, H2, H3, H4, H5, and H6 elements. Mm -hmm. And um, basically what heading elements allow you to do is structure your content. So like, um, think about, you know, like think about kind of like a recipe say. So you might have that introduction where there's just way too much content about the time you went to Naples and like, <laughs> had this delicious dish and you absolutely must recreate it and blah, blah, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, so the you would part. use, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, 
the step above that would be the name of the recipe of the thing you're trying to cook. So like H1, the, you know, the, the highest level is say, you know, this pasta dish. Then an H2 could be the, you know, the, the little preamble that you give. Um, and then another H2 at the same kind of hierarchical level would be the ingredients. Um, and then the same way would be another H2 could be like the actual process of putting those ingredients together. And then within each of those H2s, you could have an H3 for another kind of sub item. So if it's your story, it could be the background and then where we are now and like the right. future. Um, and so, you know, I, what this does is it sets up um, a programmatic hierarchy um, that is the assistive technology can use. And when I was joking about like, oh God, you know, this whole spiel about your, your journey to discover mm -hmm. this delicious pasta dish, a lot of people will quickly scroll down, just like, I don't care, just let me get to this recipe. And assistive technology will let you jump to heading levels um, the same way. And that basically creates a parody in experience uh, for sighted and low vision and non-sighted users. Okay, which so is it's really kind cool. of, yeah, I did, I've always wondered about that. And I'm, I'm sure it was a simple like Google uh, search that I haven't done, but like, just like you said, we get to scroll past all of the nonsense and the ads and all of the 5 million pictures of their trip to Italy um, and get to the recipe. But I guess that's where this uh, H1, the hierarchical elements of HTML really do come into play. Because I know a lot of junior developers, like I, I taught a class, like, okay, but like H1, H2, H3, sure they change size, but like what's the big difference? Or like, why is it so important to have this, um, and I guess that's where semantics HTML come in, comes into play in that it's way more than just like organizing and structuring your website or your HTML file. It's more about um, what it's being, what is being done with it afterwards. Like whether you see it or not, some people will need that. Yeah, um, there's actually, there's a great browser extension called Headings Map, which is okay. available for Firefox and Chrome and Edge, because Edge is Chrome now. Um, and it actually generates this tree for you, and it pops up in a little sidebar. And um, I use it for auditing, but I also have started using it, um, funnily enough, for like really dense technical things. So like when I'm looking at a, um, a spec or like a MDN mm -hmm. page on some JavaScript something, yeah, it, it lets me kind of do the same thing a, a screen would do which is like oh okay here's the here's the meat of the page what's the thing I'm actually looking for um, so it, it kind of creates like a summary page for you exactly yeah yeah that's that's really cool that's really really cool and it's all of these like tools and, and just like you're saying with the alley project like these are the things that you come across Twitter like one person found out about and then you share it through a podcast through another tweet um, and those are the things that I think make such a difference and it's just a matter of like getting it out into the world. Yeah, so I can definitely see those those being important features that you should consider when you're when you are, you know, creating a website or developing a project. What are some things that you see are like the most common mistakes that in terms of mistakes um I guess to me it's less about the implementation and more about the mindset. So, you know, 
a lot of the times you'll hear, oh, well, our customers aren't disabled. We don't need to do this. Um, and if you throw out the whole legal and moral mm -hmm. things Ouch. out the window, <laughs> um, you know, number one, they're not there because guess what? They literally can't get there. And number two, you have no idea about their kind of situation. Um, you know, a lot of the times we like to be like, oh, those aren't our users because they don't line up with our kind of idea of what we want. Well, like, what if that person is and is prepared to spend a ton of money and um, can't literally can't give you money and they're just going to go to the next business down the street, as it were. That, that hurts to hear that somebody would have that mentality, but I'm sure it happens. Like, I'm sure it happens over and over again where they're like, oh, well, we just, we don't have to worry about it. Um, but I guess that's the problem and that's what implementing this and having that mentality, like you're saying, it's more than just implementing it, having the mentality and being open to making sure it's taken into consideration. Yeah. The other big problem, if you don't mind mm -hmm. a bit of a, a spicy opinion. No, um, go for it. Is <laughs> accessibility plugin or overlays do not work. Um, there are a lot that have kind of popped up in the market, Ooh. which are the same way you could install like a chat plugin for like Drift or whatever. Yeah. Um, the same way you can install one of these things to quote fix your accessibility. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of two things I want to point out here. Um, first, sorry, oh, I'm going to in, interrupt real quick. So you're talking about uh, add-ons that idea like go on top of your existing project to quote unquote fix these accessibility yes. issues. Yeah, think of them as like overlays. Okay. Um, so like, if so you're, you're not talking to you're not talking about like an actual like overlay like a visual overlay that you create with CSS. You're no. talking about like something that kind of overlays on top of your existing code and Ye tries to make it accessible. Yeah, um, it's installed and then it deploys to the user. Um, okay. So like- Kind of like an in-between. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so like a, a good example analogous to this would be if you go to a website and then a little thing in the bottom right-hand corner goes, and then like, it's a little chat bubble and they're like, hey, can we help you find what you're looking for? You know, gotta get those. And more often than not, it's very annoying. <laughs> KPIs in, yeah. Um, that's a plugin that's installed that runs a bunch of JavaScript that okay. generates it. They do that for accessibility and it supposedly fixes things, but um, many of these companies are currently getting sued for failing to deliver on their promise. Interesting. Uh, so, yeah, so this is this is a brand new technology, I guess, for me. Um, I've never heard of that, but it's yeah. good to know that that those are can be, in a way, scammy. Um, but yeah. I interrupted you, so you were going to say that there's two main things with those, or um, you're going to go keep going with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I apologize. Um, so one, they exist. Two, they don't work. Three, they oftentimes make things worse. Um, and then kind of the fourth is like the mindset, I think that's really good for this. Um, there's a really wonderful person called uh, Cordelia McGee-Tubb who does a lot of accessibility work. And she has a really good talk where she says like, you gotta think about this like baking blueberry muffins. Um, so you can't bake a muffin, take it out of the oven, let it cool, and then jam some blueberries into it. You gotta, you got to start making the batter with some blueberries and then then bake it. That's um, such a good analogy. I know. It leaves me craving blueberry muffins, but that's besides the point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's amazing. 
That's interesting. So that's kind of how these like plugins work where they're trying to jam it on on top when it should be kind of from the implementation from the get go. Yeah. And they're, they're very attractive from a business standpoint in that you can kind of just throw money at a problem and then slap something on and, you know, wash your hands of it. Right. Um, but unfortunately they are garbage and should be avoided like the plague. So. Right. So that kind of brings me, you mentioned something about you yourself doing audits. Is, do you audit for, um, for this topic for web accessibility? Um, I have in the past in a freelance capacity. Um, I much prefer it if I don't have to. And that's one of those cool things I get to do as a developer is help. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a very thankless and tedious job. Um, but that being said, it is a very necessary job and the people that do it are passionate and incredibly intelligent and incredibly like caring about the work that they do. That's good. And I'm sure just like any audit, like that's tedious work and uh, requires a lot. Um, but it, like you said, it's very necessary. Um, so to kind of stem away from the Alley project for, for a minute, I wanted to actually get to know you a little bit more and your journey. So I mentioned, you mentioned that you were both a designer and um, I saw on your website actually that you're learning JavaScript um, and that you've been in the industry for a while. So I kind of wanted to hear more about just like your journey and how you like development, what you've been up to, like what pro cool projects you worked on. Yeah. Um uh, geez, uh, <laughs> a great example of this is actually um, the MDN uh, recently incorporated accessibility concerns mm -hmm. into a lot of its um, documentation. And that's, to me, that's the sweet spot because I think people genuinely want to do right and they want to do good for the most part. And like, if you're looking up a new topic and it's just mm -hmm. presented as a top level concern, the same as everything else, you're going to go, oh, okay. So you're saying like the way that they do it is they sprinkle it in wherever it's applicable rather than having like a one spot for it be like, oh, don't forget to check this out. Um, but it's, I'm sure it's there, but it's also like you can, as you're learning different aspects of coding um, or maybe, you know, learning about the image tag, you see it sprinkled into, into there. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's sprinkled in, which I love because mm -hmm. like it means that it's, part of normally what you do and not in a little box off to the corner. Um, and then a lot of pages do have like a discrete section of like, here's why, and then here's some links if you really want to dive deep into this. Right. No, that's definitely a good idea. And I, and I agree with you on the boot camps, like, cause I, I attended a boot camp myself. Um, and it is definitely goal driven. Like the, the purpose is to get you through the boot camp, not as quickly as you can, um, but they want to get you through it. And there's a lot of content that you cover. And they want to make sure you know as little as you need to of each of the topics, just so you can, at the end of your resume, say, I know this, this, and this. And that, um, and like I said at the beginning, one of the things that we do cover is web accessibility, but it's something that's covered once and then a lot of times not implemented throughout. Um, or, it's, or it's kind of like brushed off as like, oh yeah, you have this issue in your website, but you can get to it. Like, it's not a big deal. Um, so maybe trying within the boot camps themselves um, or different teaching aspects, like, like you're saying, like as you learn each of the different aspects of web development, whether you're learning full stack front end, whatever it is, um, and sprinkling and reminding developers to 
to use it. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm I'm definitely not punching down on uh, boot camps. Like, I know a lot of people who have gotten into the industry yeah. via boot camps who are lovely. Yeah. Um, my one of the things I really like um, for like, especially with engaging with larger clients that have like dedicated QA teams and are like more enterprise, is um, the idea of acceptance criteria, and then the same way QA validates that the link goes to the destination that it says it's supposed to, um, the same way you can include another piece of criteria where it's like you can use your tab key to navigate to the link to go to that destination. And uh, again, it's more of that blending these in. So it's about outcomes as much as it is about like process. And um, I think that's one of those things that I'd love to see bootcamp start doing. Like, I'm not sure how you were graded on your projects, but like, you know, can yeah. I use the tab with a key, the tab panel with a keyboard? Cool, yeah, great. I think, yeah, no, and I and I know like a lot of boot camps do come. I don't want to say that they don't and they like ignore it because because they do like put some value into it and they like at whatever section accessibility is in um, that next project. At least the boot camp that I went to does check for that and does check to see if you can you know tab through your website or if you can read it if your images have alternative text to them but once you start getting into the next section it's almost like forgotten about because you're fo so focused on the back end or learning jquery or whatever the next thing is but yeah no i agree i think it's if it's something that what is it like spaced repetition kind of learning where it's you know covered over and over again and it just becomes a thing that you have to do and it's it's not a big deal or a thing that you have to come back to, which is kind of what we mentioned at the beginning. Yeah, totally. Um, practice makes perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, definitely. I think we covered quite a bit on accessibility and the importance of it, and hopefully people start to really realize um, it's something that can be implemented as you go along in your projects and in your learning timeframe. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add? Any resources or ways that, you know, new developers can can kind of get a head start, have some kind of action item today or in yeah. mind for their next project. Yeah, um, so the accessibility project, uh, just gonna plug that again. Def yeah, um, definitely check them out. I'll link that um, in the show notes and in the description for our YouTube watchers. <laughs> thank you. Um, and then uh, I'd say that um, there are browser extensions that do automated accessibility checks. Um, so uh, DQ's Axe comes to mind, um, as well as a few others. And basically, they live in your developer inspector panel the same way um, your console does and the DOM does. And you can push a little button on the view that you're looking at, and it'll run through and it'll analyze for common issues and it will tell you in no uncertain terms what's going on, um, which can be a little humbling, but it's also cool because a robot's paying attention to code issues the same way, you know, your linter might. And um, at least uh, Axe, one of the other things that it does that I like is there's a little link to tell you why it's an issue and kind of the more human aspect behind it. So yeah, it'll yell at you, but it'll also tell you how to fix it and importantly, why it's important to fix it. And that's a really good way to kind of like get your feet wet for, for doing this kind of thing. Yeah, that's a great resource. 
those are great resources because it's something that you can simply just add on um, and it'll be a little remind visual reminder to check up on these things. Um, so I'll definitely put those in the links in the show notes um, below. And then any other projects that you're working on that you're proud to, that you've proudly been working on that you'd like to share? Do you mind if I ask you a question? No, not at all. This is the first time. Yeah, yeah I'd love to. Answer. How, how, what's your accessibility journey been like? Um, so uh, to be honest, I, it was what it was at, at the boot camp. It was uh, not even like a half a day part of the curriculum. It was important and then we had to implement it within every project after that. Uh, but again, personally, I got so caught up in trying to finish the boot camp and get through my projects that I was like, oh, I'll get to it later. And then when I did, it was a matter of like, I'm already late on this project, so I'm just gonna add little bits here and there. I'm faulty. <laughs> like I, I've made the mistake of just like not doing anything to my to my own code for accessibility because I put it off, I'm faulty. <laughs> like I, I've made the mistake of just like not doing anything to my to my own code for accessibility, actually making it accessible or not. Uh, but now that I've talked to you and know about the Alley Project, I feel like there's there are resources and I know how to search for it. And then I think like as a, as a user, I personally haven't had the need and that's probably why I've let it slip so many times, unfortunately. I definitely, I definitely agree. Like it's something super important, everything should, do what they can. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah, That's, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I just kind of like, like you said, like the analysis paralysis is very real. And personally, I've been through it. it you've been through it, and it's just, you know, it's you don't have to do it all in one go. Every little bit, you know, yeah. slowly, slow and steady. Yeah. No, I and I really think that this uh, this episode is going to help. Kind of, at least for me, it helped. Like it's it's not a, a thing that you do once and it's over. Um, it's not like, oh, I forgot to, you know, lock the door or something simple like that. It's just something that you, you do throughout the day. Like, uh, I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, but like throughout the day, if you're in your house, you're going to make sure that the lights are turned off in rooms that you're not using. Um, I don't know if that made sense, but something like okay. that. So, yeah. <laughs> so I think this episode, uh, definitely has helped me and then just even like preparing for this episode, but hopefully it helps all of our listeners see the bigger picture of the importance, not only legally, but, you know, um, for users worldwide um, and just for, for their own like experience. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, well, Eric, I'm so glad that you agreed to be on this episode and I am looking forward to potentially a second episode with you where we get to, <laughs> uh, where we get to dig into a bit of more of the design world and learn more about that. So, so yeah. yeah. Thank you very much for having me on. This was, this was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, of course. Um, and I'll see you again soon. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye.